This is Ron Thurston, and today I'm live from the Airstream in San Diego, California with Kit Campoy, a retail leader turned freelance writer and outspoken field champion. Welcome to Retail in America. This podcast is part of the Retail in America Tour, my year-long journey to discover incredible retail heroes all across the country, celebrating our retail culture, community, and careers. Go to RetailPride.com or on Instagram at RetailPride to see it all, including past podcast episodes, playlists, and future cities on the tour. Kit Campoy is a very well-known voice on LinkedIn and with her newsletters, sharing the power and importance of frontline retail teams. Very happy to have her here with me today to learn more. But before we get started, I want to thank the three important title sponsors for the Retail in America tour and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify has grown to over 420 million monthly unique registered users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubic. Over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubic to drive their retail performance at scale and get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI. KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn about all three of these great brands will be in the show notes and at retailpride.com. And with that, let's get started with my conversation with Kit. Kit Campoy, welcome to Retail in America. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the invite. You're welcome. So when we knew we were coming to San Diego, this was months ago, I reached out and like, Kit, we're coming. I don't know when, but you need to be on the Retail in America podcast. Yes, we made it happen. (laughs) I know it it feels like it's been a long journey, but it has. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. So we are together in the Airstream in beautiful San Diego on a gorgeous morning. Uh, So I want to take a moment and introduce you in maybe a unique way. And I had shared this with you, but you posted several weeks ago now on your LinkedIn newsletter and your leadership field guide, which we'll speak more about with the title of I love retail, so I fight for leaders. Yeah. And, and I saw the title. I'm like, this is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> so I pulled a couple of excerpts because I think that this encapsulates you, and I'm excited to dig into it. So this was what you wrote. Some have called me outspoken. Some have called me the voice of the front line. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is. I talk about what I know, and now I have the freedom to say whatever I want because I don't have an employer. I no longer need to walk on eggshells when talking about my two-decade-long retail experience. I don't need to protect my position or my paycheck. When I left, I didn't set out to be this voice, but I recognized the need for it. I left to make a living as a freelance writer, and that's what I'm doing, but I can't help but continue to advocate for frontline leaders. And you do this so consistently, so well, you have built a following and a voice on LinkedIn primarily. Yeah. That is very powerful. 
it's very true. Mm-hmm. It could only be written by someone that has done the work. Yeah. Which is how I feel about Retail Pride. Definitely. The reason people enjoy Retail Pride is because you can tell it's written by someone that worked in retail. Yes. And I would say the same about you. Yes. You know, you say you left to become a freelance writer. Why write about retail? Because I think that there's just such this void in this space. And retail is a really challenging business. There's not a lot of celebration Mm -hmm. in most retail buildings. It's usually like, you know, a list of everything you did wrong. And then, oh, you made your month. Great. We'll do that again. Mm. It's very tough. You have to have a lot of grit and you have to have really thick skin to like survive in retail. And that's why I always say, like, if you can work in retail, you can literally do anything. Like, anything else is going to be easier. So I'm just so compelled because I started writing on LinkedIn, these little posts. When I was working in retail, I started doing it. And then at the end of every post, I just started to put, you got this. Because I never really heard that working in the stores. It was like, I never got like a push of encouragement. It was always like, do more, do better, do more, do better. Not like you're doing this well. You know, there's just such this void of like encouragement, Mm. I think. Did you hear that from your peer group as well within the companies you work for and maybe outside? Did you feel like there's a lack of recognition or celebration all around you? Yeah. I think the store leadership group was like a support group for each other because when we had a free second, we would call each other and be like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) yeah, this is really hard for me. Are you struggling with this? Does this make sense to you? And so we would kind of do that for each other, but it almost never came from above, Mm. almost never. But I think it's getting better I think that district managers and regional managers are seeing the need for it and realizing what they're missing out. So I think it is getting better. It was just so important to me to like highlight this and just say like, hey, all of you, like I see the work that you're doing and you're doing great. Yeah. You know, just keep it up. And some days are going to be terrible and are going to feel awful. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like you can still get up tomorrow and Mm -hmm. it'll be all right. You know, I have thoughts around why I think we don't spend enough time celebrating ourselves, recognizing our own hard work, often Mm -hmm. because we grow up in this industry and we consider ourselves so self-taught. Yeah. It's almost like this idea of, well, I didn't really go to school for this and I didn't really plan on this. So therefore I may be not as vocal about my success. And that's how I felt. And then Mm -hmm. through my career growth, the people that I would meet, often very accidental, very like didn't ever plan to do this, didn't have this journey mapped out in their head. And so then we don't take the time to celebrate. And I think you, this kind of idea of you got this is very retail. It's very stores (laughs) focused because you. it's almost like this hand-holding of each other of like, mm-hmm. we can do this. And you write about that of like 5 a.m., midnight shifts, workload, holidays. You write about that. Yeah. And that is a very like, you got this mentality. Yeah, it is. It, I'm surprised I that post that I had recently of 
me working like a 6 a.m. shift last year, that post like took off and it got shared so many times. The stuff that takes off really surprises me sometimes, Mm. like that 6 a.m. shift. I think so many people see themselves in that, like, oh my God, yeah, I do this. Or I had so many people comment, I used to do that. I totally know what that's like, like getting to work while everyone, the whole world is asleep pretty much and cracking up shipment boxes and moving the whole store around. But you loved it. So I loved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I loved it. So, oh my God, I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. Like just walking in like the opening shifts, I would get to work like probably 15 minutes early just so I could walk the shipment racks. Yeah. I felt the same. It was a favorite. I was that weird store manager who like loved to close on Friday night and then open on Saturday morning because I knew that I was set up for success. Yes. I'm like, we're going to win this day. Yep. You, it's almost like you got this because we did all the work to make sure on the biggest day of the week that we were going to win. Yeah. I would always close Friday night and open Saturday morning. Yeah. I every love week. It. I want to hear more about your just career journey because you spent the majority of your career as a store manager. Yeah. In like high volume, high velocity, really complicated businesses, outlet, mm-hmm. you know, things like this. So maybe just give us a brief rundown of the brands and your roles. I know I, I wrote to you and I said when I graduated college with a merchandising degree, I did not want to do management. I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. I thought managers were dumb. (laughs) I did not want to do it. I wanted to be like a stylist on a photo shoot or something. And so, yeah, so I graduated college. I got a full-time job at Dillard's department store in Arizona as a sales associate. And I just wanted to kind of learn what it was like to work in retail full time. And that was like the best crash course because I learned how to like do markdowns Mm -hmm. and kind of like work in different departments of the store. And then I worked there for about a year and then I went to the buckle, which I don't know how many people know about the buckle. I definitely do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Having worked in the mall my whole life, I know the buckle. And met one of my best friends. Actually, we're still friends to this day. She was my store manager. She hired me as a key holder. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll do this and see how it goes. (laughs) Well, I really liked it because I started to learn all the operational stuff about the business. That was kind of like my first taste of like, coaching other associates and the you got this moment kind of rallying them to meet their goals and stuff like that and then I moved to San Diego and I went to work for Old Navy I don't even know what the job was called I was basically like a merchandise planner so like this was a huge two-story Old Navy It was gigantic. (laughs) So basically, we would get a list of what we were getting in shipment, and then it was my job to plan where that was going to go. I did that. I did visual merchandising there as well, too. Then I went to work for PacSun for five years, and that's kind of like how I learned to be a store manager. I worked Mm. my way up through PacSun, really like learned how to be a store manager there. I worked... I think, at uh, every mall in San Diego <laughs> for PacSun. And they're based in Southern, like Orange County, right? Yeah, So I'm yes. sure also that corporate partnership yes. that you, I'm sure, had, you know, 
through your PacSun career. Yes, they are a Southern California company. You know, we felt very close to the home office and they moved me around a lot. So early in my retail career, I just said yes to everything. Yes, I will go work there. Yes, I will move locations. Yes, I will go help out. I said yes to everything. After PacSun, I jumped to Lucky Brand for about three years absolutely loved that company. Wow. I loved it so much. I love denim. Like, I'm just kind of like a denim freak. Love denim. I love the company. There was some, like, transition where they used to be owned by Liz Claiborne, and some things were happening. Some moves were being made. So I kind of was like, okay, this is my time to mm-hmm. get out of this. And then, you know, my next step going into anthropology was really calculated because... There weren't many other places I wanted to work, and I understood that if I went to work for anthropology, that I would learn how to run bigger buildings and bigger teams, and that's what I wanted to learn how to do, Mm -hmm. and so I did that for about three years, and then I went to Tilly's, and I ran my last store for nine years which is sounds like forever. (laughs) (laughs) In retail years, that's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time, especially to be in in one building. But that was their highest volume store. So there really wasn't another location to go to besides that. And Tilly's is a Southern California company as well. So my store had visits from vendors and vice presidents and stuff like that all the time. So that store kept me really busy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you, primarily in store manager roles, had the ability with so many people, first job, second job, Mm -hmm. that is part of retail leadership that's so powerful. Yeah. You're setting the stage for what it means to work. Yes. What does it mean to show up? What does it mean to have a stretch assignment, show up on time, I should say, get additional responsibilities, like learn how to work. Mm -hmm. And side by side, what's the experience you're creating for them, for these young people, especially these brands? You must have had so many young like college kids or high school kids. Yeah, I did. And Tilly's, it was a huge store, but we had a really loyal neighborhood base of customers. So we would see the same moms, you know, every two weeks. And we would get local high school kids would apply for their first jobs there. And that I think was one of the best parts about that job was being somebody's first boss and like showing them that you can work hard, you can do a good job, and you can still have fun. Like work can be fun. So I think that was probably like the best part of that. Yeah, I think in some ways you're also teaching confidence. Mm -hmm. You're teaching the ability to speak to strangers all day. Yes, You're learning how to build connections with hundreds of different people a day. Really, it, it changes how they show up in life. I believe. Yeah. And retail skills taught well. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Because you could see that arc. You could see their first couple days on the floor and they're so timid, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're kind of overwhelmed by everything. And then within a couple months, they're just, they're turning around and teaching somebody else. 
So yeah, it's love, the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. And I would imagine some of them ask the question of like who inspired them, you would be on their list through their career. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you would. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's weird for me to think about, but I'm sure. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I have no doubt that it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so you had this moment of, you know what, I've been very successful and I'm ready to write. Yeah. yeah. And you said you were writing a, a blog. I did something similar. I mean, I wrote my book while I was working, but mm -hmm. prior to that, um, I also wrote a blog. It was called yeah. Re Retail Fitness. And same, just tested ideas. Yeah. So, and what was the reaction from the audience? I think the biggest compliment that I get about my writing is, well, first of it inspires somebody else, of course. But second of all, people will tell me that my writing sounds like me. Mm. And I think that's just like the biggest compliment ever because no ideas are new, really. It's just you put them in your own words and then they yeah. resonate with people. So yeah, that's the biggest compliment I got is people that know me, that read my stuff say, oh yeah, that sounds like you. Nice, Yeah. nice. And your ghostwriting for other publications, tell us kind of some of your work today. Yeah, so I do a little bit of ghostwriting, mostly for professional people that want to create content for their websites, and they just maybe don't have the time to mm -hmm. write a thousand-word article. So I do ghostwriting in that sense. I also do some ghostwriting for <laughs> people's LinkedIn posts, which is really funny to me, but a few people have hired me to ghostwrite their LinkedIn okay. content because <laughs> I, I understand the platform now. Yeah. And then I just have different like client work. So I also have a job where I write about Web3 and cryptocurrency. And I do that for like a new company called FastBlocks. Mm. Um, they're completely decentralized. Okay. So that's just like another totally, thing like that's a, a totally world. <laughs> different world but it's just something that i enjoy learning about so i just like writing about that stuff and then yeah i write two newsletters a week one is the leadership field guide mm -hmm. on linkedin and then i have another newsletter on substack and it's called traveling money and it comes out every saturday morning and i just encourage mm -hmm. everybody to just take a break you know just rest I really like to explore how people around the world take breaks and kind of celebrate life because I got for a while there. I don't know if you remember how a uh, hustle culture was very just kind of felt like it permeated everything. And like if you weren't getting up at 5 a.m. and hitting the gym, then like what are you even doing with your life? Yeah. So traveling money was sort of like an answer to that. Like, you know what? You just maybe take a nap today. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be all right. <laughs> maybe you can share the story of the inspiration for traveling money. Yeah. So when I was growing up, my grandparents lived across the street from us. And so we were around them a lot. As I started growing up and kind of setting out on new adventures my grandmother would always hand me like $5 or $10 and she would say like, oh, do you have any money for whatever you're doing? And I would say like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then she would always put $5 in my hand and she would say, you got to have your traveling money. <laughs> you never know. You got to have your traveling money. And I just thought that was so sweet of her. And I just loved 
that she called it that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I named the newsletter Traveling Money because I kind of feel like it's a little bit of like kindness and inspiration that you yeah. can keep in your back pocket. Just, you know, kind of going back to like, you got this, right? You're mm -hmm. doing great. You don't need to like push yourself yes do a good job and show up but like don't kill yourself over it right. like it's gonna be okay <laughs> it's a great attitude to have <laughs> i love it so i want to take you back 20 years and you think about the retail career you're about to have mm -hmm. what would you tell that person oh my gosh i would say yeah do this definitely do this because you're gonna learn so much and also trust yourself too. Like if someone gives you bad advice, then just don't mm -hmm. take it, you mm -hmm. know, just do what you know is right. Because I worked with some fantastic people in retail, but you know, you also get bad advice along the way. So it's okay <laughs> to leave that stuff behind. I think like trust in yourself and show up and work hard and get yeah. ready to learn a lot. Yeah. Be open to the opportunities. And you said earlier, you said yes to everything. Oh, yeah. Which is not an uncommon response for people that have had great success because those opportunities do come in all different forms, sometimes new companies, sometimes new cities, new stores, all of it. All of it, yeah. And being open to that idea. Yep, absolutely. When you think about the industry, you had mentioned earlier kind of this lack of recognition or celebration. Do you think that that's an industry-wide opportunity that you see? I mean, you spend, you and I both spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and there are brands that I think do it really well. I wouldn't say industry-wide it's a problem, but there are a lot of brands that you never hear from. You never see their teams post. Mm. And those are the ones I get concerned about. Yeah. I don't know if it's industry-wide. I think I had a leader once that was like, who here feels their boss tells them they're doing a good job too much? Nobody. Nobody right. would raise their hand. Right. We never feel like, oh, can you just stop telling me like I'm doing such a great job? Nobody feels like that. So I think you may think that you're telling your people they're doing a great job all the time, but maybe they don't feel the same way. Hmm. And I think too, <laughs> I've noticed about retail is that everything feels very intense about it. If you do something wrong, it's like, you know, the end of the world. I got that pressure a lot. Oh, you know, you missed this answer on your loss prevention audit. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. Like, you know, we're not saving lives. Mm -hmm. We're selling t-shirts. So lighten up. Maybe we could just look at this as a training moment and be like, oh, we missed this. Right. That's okay. Or why let's is it important? Back. Let's, let's yeah. talk about the relevancy of, of that particular question or this audit in general. What are we solving? Right. And in your last role, being in the same building for nine years, I'm sure every year it was like, can I beat myself? And then the next year I'm going to beat myself again. And how did that feel? Because that is unusual. Two yeah. years in a building, three years in a building, but nine years. Did you have anyone with you the whole time? No, not the whole time, but I did have a handful of people with me for about five or six years. That's a long time. Which is a long time. Yeah. yeah. Did you consistently beat your numbers every year? That building was really interesting because we were comping. When I came in, they were doing well. And then we continued to do well. 
Then we went into a full remodel, but we were open during it. So they blocked off half of the store. So we were in half of a building and we were still comping in half of the building. It was crazy. Then when we fully reopened, it was just meltdown status, busy. My district manager did not even know how to schedule our payroll. She was like, I have no idea. You guys just keep blowing away these numbers. They were just throwing payroll at us like nobody could figure out. So that store was bonkers for a few years. Very, very crazy. We were consistently comping. Then that started to taper off, as you would imagine. Uh (laughs) Like you can't just sustain (laughs) that forever. So that got really hard for me. It's hard to come off of such big business like that. And I worked really closely with our regional manager. Our business started to dip. And I think it was like some product assortment. They had set us up with these big, beautiful vendor walls Mm. in our store, but they just couldn't keep them full. Mm. So a lot of the products got broken very quickly. So our business kind of started to dip and we were always kind of chasing like that high from coming off of our remodel and then COVID hit Mm. and then it was just like, well, whatever, (laughs) you know what I mean? None of us knew what to do. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to take care of my people right? and that's all that matters. Absolutely. And now as a full-time writer, how do you stay motivated and inspired? Two newsletters a week is a lot of content plus all of your posts. And I've heard you say, yeah. I think you said it when you're on April Sabral's live, you don't plan out these posts. Oh no. You wake up and whatever feels like needs to be said is what you say. And yeah. I, I admire that. I it's wing it. It's not strategic and you wing it and that's great. Yeah. Where does that inspiration come from? What drives you? I just want to connect with other leaders that are still in the field. And, you know, not being in it every single day gives you time to reflect on it in a way that you can't when you're in it every single day because it's just so completely overwhelming. So yeah, I want to connect with people and I want to make people feel seen. I get a lot of DMs and people are just like, ask me for career advice. Mm -hmm. Employees don't want to throw their company under the bus even when they no longer work there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very cautious of that, which I think is really admirable. This is a retail leader trait I've noticed Mm -hmm. across the board. And somebody messaged me. She had been in retail for a long time. She had to quit. She was so stressed out that her hair was falling out. And she was just like, I don't want to say anything bad about my former employer, but I do want to share my story. And I said, well, you know, do whatever you're comfortable with, Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable sharing that or not. But also, you don't work there anymore. So that's admirable of you, but they made your hair fall out. So maybe (laughs) you don't need to protect them anymore. (laughs) Or maybe it's your story that's not about the brand as much as your own like experience right. or like this was my experience as an employee right at x company i think there are ways to share that that we could all learn from yeah absolutely the career advice piece is interesting because if they're not getting it from 
maybe their DM, their store manager, or anyone else. They need someone to ask questions of. That's why I think it's so great that you're doing this. Because from my experience, in all the years I worked in retail, it's very, you only know your company. Mm -hmm. You go to your company's meetings, you work with your leaders, and you don't really talk to other leaders of other companies so much. Like maybe if you have a good relationship with people in your shopping center, but outside of that, you don't interact with other leaders across brands. And so earlier this year, I started like our retail leaders cohort. People could join. It was just in a Slack group Mm -hmm. that we kind of had people meet up, but I really wanted people from all brands to come together and talk about what's working for you, what's not working for you, what do you need? And it was so interesting to have people from luxury retail all the way to people that worked in Walgreens Mm. and talking about what their challenges were in all of those companies. So I love this idea of retail leaders coming together Mm -hmm. from across all brands. I think it's so important because that's how we're going to learn and grow and do better. What were the common themes from that group? A lot of it, honestly, was like best practices. You know, a lot of people were like struggling with priority order almost. Mm. Like, oh, I have so much to do this week. How do I protect my time off the floor? Mm. That's a big one. And then how do I set my week up for success? So that was another big one. Another person just really wanted to grow within their company. And they kind of felt like they didn't want to like overwhelm their boss. I don't want to ask them too many questions. Mm -hmm. I don't want to come off like I'm being too needy, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So I would say those were the main ones. Interesting. It was very common for people's first introduction to me, even as a vice president of stores to say, I know you're really busy, but, and no, please, (laughs) like, please like call me, email me. I want to hear your feedback from any level, any store, Mm -hmm. anyone. There is this perception of, I don't want to bother anyone. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. It's a retail phenomenon. I think of this kind of lack of asking for help. Yeah. I think in my experience, I pride myself on being quite resourceful. So I'm going to just try to figure it out myself. And a lot of the times when I did ask for help, I was kind of just told to figure it out. Mm. And so I think so many people are like, oh, I don't want to bother this person. But yeah, it's like, that's why we're here. Ask us all the questions. Right, exactly. Kit, as you've built this kind of platform and voice, you are one of the biggest voices for the field on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them going into 2023? What would you say to your followers? I would say, keep up the hard work. You're doing great. (laughs) You got this. You got this. (laughs) But also be vocal about what you need Mm -hmm. in order to run your business. And be vocal about stuff that isn't working. If you are getting a store visit, don't work 24 hours straight 
to make sure your store is spotless. Like, let people come visit your store and show them, like, hey, this isn't working. This is a mess. Mm -hmm. Like, I need help with this. Because I think you're just doing yourself a disservice if you put on a show Mm. for your leaders. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? We've uh, all done it, by the way. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on both sides of this table and we've all done it. We've all done it. I've done it too. But as I got further into my career and more confident, you know, and I also would get pop visits all the time. So I was very used to it. You know, make sure your store is clean. You dust it every day and Swiffer it every day and do what you got to do. But if you get hit with shipment and transfers and a floor set and markdowns all in one week because you know what's going to happen, then say that. Say that this week, this workload was too much for us. You know, you have to really be vocal about that or else they're just going to keep pushing you more stuff because they think you're all good. Right. It's that I know you're busy and so I'm not going to share. Yeah. And the reality is you need to share. Yeah, you have Um, to. Because no one's going to understand the workload, the pressure, if you're not in the store. Right. And often people in senior leadership roles in retail don't always come from stores. Yes, I have noticed that. Yes. And (laughs) for whatever reason, that is their career path. Yeah. Uh, And so you become kind of a head of sales, which then retail gets rolled up into that. Sure. And you may not have come from the stores like you and I did. And so this idea of, I don't really understand this business, so why can't they do it? And the reality is you have to explain why we can't. Yes, you have to explain. Because to your point, the people that are calling the shots maybe don't know. Right. You know, so you just have to give them that like real time, real world feedback. Right. So is there a book in the future? I don't know. (laughs) Another book about retail, which would be very welcome, by the way. Yes. Need more than than a handful of books that are out there. Yes. I have an outline, actually, and it's called Leading from the Frontline. And I don't know how it's going to shake out yet. But I really want to talk about how leaders in retail settings, that training is really different than any other industry. And I think that a lot of people just don't know about it. You know, they just don't understand like what we do leading from the front line. And so that's, you know, all my posts are kind of about that too on LinkedIn. But yeah, I have like an outline of a book like that. And people are always asking me, oh, like you should write a book or you should teach, you know, leadership classes or something. And it's like, oh my gosh, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've only been doing this full time since February, so I know. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> you'll get there. And it's crafting the message you want to say. Yes. And having that feedback that you're receiving now about what's really resonating will help you build your book. Yeah, definitely. I think it's exciting. Definitely. I'm, I'm excited to watch you do it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. There aren't enough voices. As yours has become louder, I was really happy to see it. Yeah. Thank you. I know you were the first person that I even saw speaking to people in the field. Yeah. You know, there's just like such a need for it. So it's, it's good. Huge. We do really good work out there. Yeah. And people are working very hard. Really hard. And need to be thanked and celebrated, you're right, and recognized for their hard work. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? Tell us about the newsletters and then how to follow you. Yeah. So I think LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. I have all the links to everything on there, but you can find me on LinkedIn. I write a newsletter there. Um, Traveling Money is on Substack. Mm-hmm. You could probably just Google my name and find that. <laughs> um, I write personal essays on Medium. And then I'm on Twitter, but we'll see, you know. We'll see what happens to Twitter (laughs) in the next couple months. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for coming and spending time together. It's really a pleasure. I'm excited to watch 2023 and what you do and and your voice and your platforms and and keep doing it because it's working. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Kit, for being on the show today and to everyone for listening. Thank you to my producer, Roy Peretz, and to Dean Albach, the audio engineer for the Retail in America show. Subscribe at RetailPride.com and follow me on Instagram at RetailPride to see all of the details about the Retail in America tour. And with that, keep your Retail Pride strong, and I will see you on the road.